I am Dracula. <laughs> take you to a place where my friends foregather. There are vampires, werewolves, ghouls, every kind of monster you could ever imagine, and some far beyond the imagining of mere mortals. There you will find stories of such blood-curdling terror that it will make your toes curl and your hair reach up towards the sky. Where is this place? It's just a short distance. It's called the, uh, Monster Club. Good evening from the Monster Islands, and welcome to the Jack-O-Lantern Press Podcast, where we discuss monsters and Halloween. My name is Michael Piccarella. And I'm Tom Piccarella. Tonight's episode, Monsters. Maybe you heard one of your favorite monsters at the beginning of the show. Among them, we played sounds from 1931's Dracula, 1932's The Mummy, 1933's The Invisible Man, 1954's Them, 1956's Forbidden Planet, 2019's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You heard Ghosts, Gremlins, Freddy Krueger's Gloves, Evil Clowns, Zombies from Wade Denning's Monster Mash Sounds of Terror from 1974. And then a clip from 1981's The Monster Club. Not a great movie, but I thought it would be when I got it on VHS for Christmas one year. Do you even remember that movie, Tom? Yeah, because actually I watched it last year. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's not a, a great Monster movie. Club? You watched it last year? Yeah. Because remember, I put it on my, my server, so I the bought a Monster copy of Club? it. Not the not the Monster Squad, the Monster Club. Oh, the Monster Club. I thought it was the Monster Squad. Yeah, oh, do you well, remember the Monster Club? I don't think I remember the Monster Club then. So it was it was a VHS tape. It had a but this one had Elvira on it, and um, so she introduced it. Vincent Price is in it, and he's like this vampire. And they tell it these. I think there's three stories in it. And one of them, it's like this guy is a filmmaker. He goes inside this world and it's like all blue and there's these monsters. And then there's this other story where there's there's this guy who whistles and he can basically destroy things. Do you remember this at all? I I think I remember something like that. But, you know, once again, there's so many monster movies. uh, (laughs) It, It seemed like it could have been really cool. But the cool thing about it was that there were all these monsters in one place. Well, tonight, as we relax on one of the beaches of the Monster Islands, sipping our monster juleps and watching killer sharks devour swimmers in honor of Discovery Channel's Shark Week and uh, Nat Geo's Shark Fest, Tom and I will be sharing with you our three favorite fiends and why they're our favorites. Maybe we'll uh, choose our top titans because they can 
beat any other monster in a fight. We might choose choose them because they're the most charming. But first, we'll have to share with you the pool of monsters that we uh, we had to pull from. And what I mean to say is we pulled um, from all the monsters you'll find in our book, which is to say basically all of them. Um, so for the tiny, tiny few of you out there who have not purchased, read, rated, and reviewed our new book, Transylvania Traveler, um, we recommend that you do that. Um, you can get it at jackolanternpress.com. Um, but moving on quickly, I wanted to read a little excerpt from the Monster Islands, which is basically where you can find, you know, a ton of monsters. Um, so this is in our book, um, and it talks a little bit about the Monster Islands. It says the uh, the Monster Islands are surrounded by the Blood Sea, with its waves lapping up to the shores, dropping off corpses by the dozen. The islands consist of two isles, one big one, simply called Monster Island and Voodoo Island, a tiny little landmass nearby. Tourists typically access this isolated Transylvanian district via the ferry piloted by Sharon, the ferryman of Hades, coming from various ports, including the boat landing at Blood Beach on the eastern side of the Carpathian Mountains, the shores of Coven Creek in Witch's Meadow, in which the ferry will take you through the creek, down the rivers of death, and out to the Blood Sea, and of course, from the ferry stop near the Molding Gate Bridge in Shadow City. The Big Island, where King Kong resides, is full of deadly jungles, serpentining waterways containing plenty of serpents, and several volcanoes, including the biggest nightmare of them all. Be prepared for a lot of heat, rain, mud, disease-carrying flies, mosquitoes and the malaria they offer, and a host of other cool things that will eat you alive. So, uh, yeah, this is what we're enjoying right now on these beaches right now. Um, but yeah, there's tons of monsters on this island, everything that you can think of. But we need to start first with the leader of this island, and that's King Kong. So King Kong basically is the leader of this island. And I want to jump into to, um, the movie, 1933 King's Kong. Black and white. Uh, he's obviously resembling an enormous ape. He first appeared in the 1933 King Kong. And then after that, or it was actually made by RKO Pictures um, in 1933. And then... Um, when it, when it released by Universal, uh, it's been re-released. God, how many times, Mike? I don't, I don't even know. I how mean, many. it's re the original one re re-released. No, I, I mean, remade. Well, even remade, that too. <laughs> uh, maybe not re re-released, but remade. I don't even know how many times. Um, but one of the I mean, he's that, shown up all over the place in Mad Monster Party. And yeah, I mean, he's in a lot of. Different, you know, obviously there was Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla, whatever the order of the the verbiage is. Yeah, for that. and you had Mighty Joe Young. Oh um, yeah, when forgot they about that. Son of Kong. Um, they also say in in uh, King Kong the original, 
which is the one that I'm really referring to the most, is that he is the eighth wonder of the world, uh, which is obviously commonly phrased within the film. Um, and uh, one of the topics that I wanted to get onto about King Kong, because I know it's a little controversial between you and I, is that did you like the colorized version that came out in the 1980s. And it's interesting because they actually had a little little excerpt here. It said rare VHS copy of King Kong from 1933 in color. A colorized version was created in the 1980s. The film was released officially for the first time on DVD in the U S in November of 2005 after being available only on VHS. The film was also part of the film colorization controversy in the early 1980s when it and the other classic black and white films were colorized for television. In the recent years, the colorized version has become highly prized among Kong collectors, despite its poor colorization work. But honestly, here's the thing. I personally like the colorized version better than the black and white version. And I have my reasons for it. There's something about it that made it look neat. It almost reminded me a little bit of Jason and the Argonauts. What do you think? Well, I, first, well, first off, I hate the colorization process because it doesn't. To me, it looks like it's painted. There's something unnatural about it. However, I and I know a lot of people feel the same way about anything that's colorized. Like, it's a Wonderful Life, uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Those movies look terrible in color, in my opinion. But I think for King Kong, the reason why a lot of people do like it in color is because a lot of people see King Kong as a fantasy movie, and fantasy definitely is great in that bright color. And, yeah. and I do and I do see that. However, I think of King Kong as being a monster movie. And just so I went to film school, as you know, Tom, um, and worked on movies and made movies. And, you know, there would be a lot of times where I wanted to make something like a film noir or a monster movie, a horror movie. And a lot of times you stray away from shooting in the daytime because the daytime doesn't feel dark and scary. So with black and white film or even a black and white image, you're able to still shoot in the day and it still feels kind of ominous and spooky as you would see in like a in a film noir. Um, I feel like. If when you watch King Kong in color and you see him on that Empire State Building and the sky is blue, that just like to me ruins the effect of what the movie should be. And I feel like don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong though. I mean, I like the black and white version, and I wouldn't change you know some of the other obviously classic monster movies. Um, I I wouldn't want you know the Wolfman or something to be in in color there was something about the the fact that king kong uh and in the jungle and whatnot it just made it look neat I uh, well i mean so like colorized I said, version for like a fan if for if you're looking at it as a fantasy film you know those bright colors you know the of the jungle and the dinosaurs and the blood and all that you know it definitely you know it, it's it's cool it's definitely cool but i think for my preference i like the black and white yeah and that that's fine. That's totally fine. But 
but well, I mean, was, I know dad, I know dad likes the color as well, you know, cause I asked him, I thought for sure he'd be on my side. I thought, he's like, I thought for sure he'd be on the black and white side too. But <laughs> anyways, well, let's move on to the, uh, to some of the, the monster, monster content that we're going to get into. Um, well, before today. we do that though, um, I, I did want to let people know while we're here on, on monster islands, just the type of monsters that you're going to find where we're, where we are right now. So alongside King Kong, um, you're going to find animatronic hippos, banshees, bloodthirsty mermaids, bugs, which include regular ones, giant ones, and half man, half insects like Matt from the 1993 movie matinee. Um, and then what else, Tom? Yeah, and and we also got you know cannibals, uh, centaurs, cyclops, dinosaurs, dragons, dwarves, elves, ghosts, Godzilla, of course, golems, gorgons, griffins, giant gorillas, hydras, imps, the kraken, lightning monsters, mayhem monkeys, mothmen, ogres, sirens, skeletons, skull crawlers. I mean, yeah, this place isn't called the Monster Islands for nothing because, you know, here you're also going to find titans, trolls, two-headed tigers, voodoo people, the voodoo dead, warlocks, morlocks, wizards, worms, the willow, willow, the wisps. Just about any monster you can possibly think of or shake an ugly stick at is here. But, oh, I forgot to even mention, there's killer sharks. That one there out in the water just popped pop that water skier into its mouth like the dude was a tortilla chip but uh <laughs> speaking of of shark week uh you're watching that right have you been because oh, it's absolutely. on absolutely shark week I'm, I'm actually watching this year the one on uh, uh national geographic um and the reason that i'm watching that one is because that one's actually a little bit extended i guess that one's going for three weeks so yeah i feel uh, like the documentaries be... are better believe it like i i feel like they're just i agree missed. yeah here's the other thing did you see that that article um where the heck was it? i think i saw it somewhere in facebook they actually had a bunch of people sitting on a lake watching jaws on a huge mm. screen oh yeah and, i'm the one who posted that <laughs> yeah that uh, that's funny yeah. that I, didn't even, I didn't even know you posted but when i read it i was sitting there going oh man that would that's be so neat yeah, so that's it was the way to it do was, it. It was, I think I posted on the Jack Lantern Press Facebook page, but it was basically they had a big screen up near um, this. It was kind of I don't know if it was necessarily the ocean or a lagoon, but you we would sit on like a raft or be swimming out in this water watching the movie. Well, yeah, heck yeah, I would do that. <laughs> well, and here's the other thing too. So you know, for our listeners, every year we watch shark week between the both of us and we get all excited about it i'll create like a banner and throw it up on a wall and then display sharks around the house uh you know my my grandson basically wears uh, a whole bunch of shark shirts and uh you know it's it's really neat um but i i watch it all every year you watch it every year i think you have a whole bunch of shark content all over your house oh, and, yeah i have and, like rubber sharks i put all over the house uh, and you have to. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, so anyway, kind of reeling it back in um, to talk about monsters, because we, before this episode is over, you and I will be discussing our top three favorite monsters. 
Um, but I just want to say just from the onset, I love monsters, which is why we do this podcast, which is why we, we did our book, Transylvania Traveler, which is why we started our website, jack lantern Press. Um, yeah, I would even say like my favorite Christmas movies are the ones with monsters in it, like Nightmare yep. Before Christmas, The Grinch That Stole Christmas. I love the monster-like Scrooge and the spirits in A Christmas Carol. It, for Christmas time, I used to get monster masks and monster toys. I even got this monster Lionel train set. It was called um, the Black Cave, the Black Cave Flyer. I don't know if you remember that oh, one. Oh no, I remember it. And then, of course, we used to get famous monsters of Filmland magazines, which were filled with monsters. I think you were saying you were just reading something about yeah, that, or you, you were listening to a podcast. Yeah, I was actually listening to a a podcast um, called Famous Famous Monsters, um, and they talk about uh the famous monsters of Filmland magazine and it's it was funny when i was listening to them because they said you know they would run down the street they'd get on their bikes and they would they would drive down uh you know or ride their bike down the road go to this this comic book shop and they would they would go in there and they would have these famous monster Filmland magazines behind the counter and they would be all stoked to just see the covers and the covers that intrigued them the most were by, were by a guy named uh, Basil Gogos, and he was an illustrator that drew like a lot of the the artwork in that magazine. And it just brought back memories when I was uh, when I was listening to it about how it, that was almost the same type of things that we did with the the famous monsters of Filmland magazine. But what was really cool about it and what kind of brought memories back was when, do you remember when we actually went to Forey Ackerman's house? Oh uh, yeah. Dad? So that was actually, it was in one of the magazines we got. Um, there was a story about Forey Ackerman and it said that you could visit his house for free. This was back in like 92 or 93. You could visit his house and he would, he would personally give you a tour of his house, which is full of like props from movies, books, and all kinds of neat stuff. And so we thought, there's no way. I think it, I, I can't remember if it had a phone number or an address and you had to write to him, but you basically set up a reservation. And sure enough, this was real. And, and it so was, we, yeah. Yeah. And we do you remember, and, do you remember when we walked in there and he had, we met Forey Ackerman, we took pictures with him, and he took us around his whole house. And I remember one of the, the things that stuck out the most for me, at least, was all the miniatures, the, yeah. the models that were created from like the King Kong movie. Yeah, um, there's a lot of Ray Harryhausen stuff, which was freaking awesome to see all those things that were actually used for those movies. Yeah, like King Kong. Yeah, it, 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 was, it, awesome. was, it was an amazing um, treat. But one thing I wanted, I want to actually get in before we start jumping into a ton of monsters is something out of the Transylvania traveler book at the very beginning. Um, we go into kind of saying what our book is going to be about. Cause I think a lot of people, when they ask me, you know, well, what, what, what is the book about? I usually tell them, you know, it's a monster uh, book uh, and also about the true meaning of Halloween but at the very beginning, we talk about there's there's a difference between, like, let's say a horror movie and a monster movie. And so we kind of put these definitions out where we have, you know, horror content and monster content. 
content and then what we have inside the Transylvania Traveler. So um, I was going to read um, read this real quick. Uh, so horror content is entertainment and or media that gives audiences, viewers, readers, participators an intense feeling of repugnance and fear. And two, it causes horror. Uh, so that's the horror content aspect of, of uh, what horror content would be. And then we have monster content, which is entertainment and or media that places focus on creatures often thought to be imaginary or mythical that are ugly and or 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 that do ugly things and then it can cause horror but not always and so basically the difference between those is that you're gonna you're gonna get scared on the on the horror content but on the monster content it's not always scary yeah Um, so yeah i always i always tell people it's like Hotel Transylvania and Scooby-Doo are monster. Uh, it's a monster movie or a monster TV show. It's not a horror movie. Um, now, you can have a horror movie that's also a monster movie. So, for example, Friday the 13th is both a horror movie and a monster movie. Right. But, uh, but yeah, monster movies don't have to be scary. Monster content does not have to be scary. It just has to have monsters in it. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought this up, Tom, because that's in choosing our top three monsters. They're not necessarily going to be our top three monsters from horror movies. They can be taken from any sort of monster content. So we could choose, you know, the that lobster looking guy that traveled through time in uh, Scooby-Doo as our our top monster and that's not necessarily a coming from a horror movie. So it's good to make that distinction to show where we're pulling these monsters from. Um, And and just, and just to throw something else in there, monster islands is a place that's just filled with all sorts of monsters, whether it be fantasy, you know, any, any kind of monster that you can conjure up in your brain. Um, is basically on monster islands. It's huge. Uh, it's separated for a reason. Uh, and the reason is, is because there's too many monsters that could be housed in the main part of Transylvania, which of on the main continent portion of, of Transylvania, where all the other districts are. There's actually a little sub story, um, even about that, uh, that references Dr. Nightmare, which might be another story that comes out a little later on, um, that we go into a little bit more detail. I think we actually mentioned a couple of things in some of the stories that are, is on jacklanternpress.com, um, about Dr. Nightmare and how he basically takes over your mind. And when you have a nightmare at night, he builds those creatures, uh, in his, his, uh, secret lair in the volcano, uh, on monster islands. And then he develops what you basically created in your nightmare and it comes to life. And where does that live right there in monster islands? And so all of those creatures that you've conjured up in your head and anybody else, they all are there. So that's basically. So what you're saying come from what you're saying is you could potentially be uh, listing as one of your favorite monsters, something that no one has even heard of. Absolutely. 
Okay, yep. cool. So uh, I think that we need to also list some of the other monsters. There, there are definitely monsters that may not be on the Monster Islands, but they're certainly in the monster universe. You sent me a list that is super long, um, and I guess this list comes from Dungeons and Dragons. I'm looking at like the names of these, and you have them all in alphabetical order. Um, things like a carry-on crawler and uh, well, devils, so, demons. <laughs> yep, and and uh, it's from the it's from Dungeons and Dragons. It's the Monster Manual. Um, it's a it's a book that you can actually purchase. You can get it pretty much at any hobby shop, or you could just go on Amazon and and buy the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual. At the very beginning, it has a a little contents there, and it shows every single monster that they talk about inside the book. They actually have um, a picture. And they have uh, how you, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, it's got all the stats and everything. But I like looking at the pictures and just like all the monsters in there. But yeah, I made a list of of some of the ones that are on there. Yeah, like what the heck is a beholder? So that the beholder is actually probably more or less one of the more iconic creatures. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, as a matter of fact, on the cover of of the Monster Manual, it has a beholder, and and what that is is, it's a it's kind of a sphere looking monster with a with one giant eye in the middle. It's got a huge mouth with uh, with these like razor sharp teeth, and at the top, it's got a bunch of tentacles, kind of like Medusa, with more eyes on top and it basically comes after you and it, it, it just looks really neat. Uh, uh, it just looks really neat. And it, it was, I, I figured it needed to be on the list of all the monsters. Yeah. The, you know, I, I obviously I want to get to our, our lists here, our, our top three, but I do, uh, I did, I did notice a couple here that were, you know, I've just never, I've never heard of like the cloaker, the helmed whore. What's, what's the mimic? So uh, the the mimic is that well let's let's uh well I'll do the mimic first because you brought up you know some of the other ones but the mimic actually is a is a shape shifting predator uh, which most of the time it takes on forms of things um, I think I told you uh, about this a long time ago but he actually the the more um, the shape that he usually uses is actually a treasure chest. Um, and he has these teeth that, that are a part of the treasure chest when it comes up and he has a purple tongue that comes out. And the reason that, that the mimic usually takes on that form is when you're, you know, journeying through a dungeon. Uh, this is what makes, you know, humans or other people hurry up and come to that. So he like pulls his prey in and then he eats them, uh, and that's basically what a mimic is. So basically, when you're thinking about your top three monsters this evening, um, you pulled from these. Like you were considering these these characters, these monsters. Yeah, I basically was looking at everything. You know, honestly, you know, classic monsters are always neat. Um, but yeah, I was looking at everything, and uh, I don't know, you know. We, so we, go ahead. I mean, yeah, we can I was, get so into I was our say, list of what we, I wanted. 
I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget any monsters when we were trying to think of them. So I went to, this is a book that I've mentioned in previous podcasts, but um, John Landis's Monsters in the Movies, 100 Years of Cinematic Nightmares from 2011. He breaks down the whole book um, into types of monsters. Um, and then he'll, so like, for example, there's a vampires um, chapter and it'll have all the vampire movies including all the different Draculas, Son of Dracula, the Twilight movies even, um, Interview with the Vampire, like all those are in there. So he has the book broken into sections by monsters. So you have vampires, werewolves, mad scientists, zombies, ghosts, mummies. You have uh, myths, legends, and fairy tales, and that would be like elves and genies and gremlins. Um, Then you've got uh, dragons and dinosaurs. You've got monstrous apes you have a chapter that's called nature's revenge. And that includes like killer rats, bats, birds, bears, bees, spiders, snakes, big old mean dogs. And, you know, of course, in, in honor of shark week, you have killer sharks, you have uh, atomic mutations. And you think about like giant ant movies and giant spider movies. Um, you've got the devil's work. Um, in that chapter, you want to be thinking about witches, the grim reaper, killer dolls, scary children, demons, and other similar supernatural beings that haunt houses or possess people. So Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, they're going to belong in that group. You've got space monsters um, like aliens, Martians, things, blob, uh, blobs, body snatchers. And then you have... Um, uh, monstrous machines, so robots, cyborgs, androids, terminators, evil trucks, evil cars. Um, and then last, least in my book, is uh, human monsters made up of serial killers, psychopaths, sadists, perverts, and those who are in Landis's book, as he writes, uh, a long way from what anyone would could call uh, normal. So... Um, What I also wanted to bring up just real briefly, because I pulled from a lot of different, like I was considering a lot of different things. Like I said, I considered monsters from the Scooby-Doo TV show. Um, There there are a couple poetry books from Jack Prelutsky about monsters. There's one called Nightmares, Poems to Trouble Your Sleep from 1976. And then he had a sequel to that called The Headless Horseman Rides Again, More Poems to Trouble Your Sleep. That's from 1980. You have Mercer Mayer's Monsters. I don't know if you remember those kids' books. You have There's a Nightmare in My Closet from 1968. There's An Alligator Under My Bed from 1987. There's Something in My Attic from 1988. Um, and then, of course, he has his little monster series, which I loved as a kid. Um, mainly because they were books about monsters and how they how they live. So one of my favorite of that series was called Little Monsters Bedtime Book. That's from 1978, and that told of all kinds of monsters like the Grithics, the Jerfus, the Croony, the Grumley, and my favorite, the Peevish, because he just looked the spookiest. So, well, and the other thing, think, <laughs> oh, the other thing that I wanted to to bring up too, just to kind of bring another side of monsters in is I like tabletop gaming. I've said it in the past. Um, there, there's a game by privateer press, which I talked about before with war machine and hordes. Uh, there's tons of monsters in that, but they actually came out with a game in 2010 called monster apocalypse. And, uh, 
it did, I don't know if it went over too well in 2010, but they just did a re-release in 2018. And, uh, and I think they made the game uh, much better. And I bought the, um, a starter set and play with a couple of my friends. Um, there's two, two sort of groups. There's protectors and then there's destroyers. Um, the protectors consist of like large robots, um, pterosaurs, which are like giant dinosaurs. Um, there's apes. So you have the, you know, the giant apes. And then on the destroyer side, um, they have uh, things called planet eaters. Um, they have Martians and they got a, just a bunch of other stuff. And, and just real quick, one of the, the cool things about the game is you're battling against monsters. You're, you're basically fighting on a, on a map and throwing your opponent opponent's monster into buildings and breaking the buildings down. And, you know, obviously the, the person who destroys the other person's monsters uh, wins the game, but it, it's really fun. And once again, because I love monsters, it's a fun game to play. So check it out. It's called monster apocalypse. It's by privateer press. Uh, and it's, it's a really fun game. All right. Nice. So with all that said, uh, you ready to do our top three? Yeah, I'm ready okay. to dive right in. So I'll start with, uh, with my number three. And uh, so I'm thinking about back to when I was a kid. And to me, like I loved anything that was bloody, uh, mutilated, uh, you know, some kind of monstrosity. So zombies would definitely do the trick. You know, our, our hard luck zombies from Shadow City in our book would probably be my number three. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Frankenstein instead, who's pretty close to, to being bloody mutilated. Um, he's definitely a monstrosity because he's big. Um, he's disfigured. He's cut up. He's zombie-like. You know, he groans and moans. He's huge. He's created by a mad scientist. Now, how great of a monster is that? Using parts dug up from a grave. You use lightning to create him. Um, like I said, he's super strong. He's bulletproof. Um, can he beat all the monsters in a fight? Probably not. But he was burned by angry mobs. He was torn apart by the Wolfman. So, and he still always comes back in sequels, as pretty much all monsters do. So, they all, I guess, can win if you look at it that way. So that's, I, I'm kind of going to eliminate that. For, I, I've eliminated that from my thinking when I chose monsters, because I, I guess you could probably make a case for any of these these creatures, because they all come back um, in sequels. Well, okay. So here's here's the funny part about this you and i we we kind of talked about you know maybe what we were going to pick but we both picked frankenstein as our third which is really really funny that that when we were putting this list together we didn't tell each other at first and then we said well which ones did you pick and then all of a sudden i threw out that i picked frankenstein <laughs> uh wait is, wait, is, is your number three he's my number three yeah <laughs> and i I like Frankenstein just because in growing up, uh, you know, we watched Frankenstein and we watched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And that those were the ones that we, we, you know, watched all the time. Frankenstein is an iconic monster. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with it. When somebody says monster, they, a lot of people think immediately Frankenstein. Um, I do have a couple of little fun facts 
that I found on a website called Mental Floss. Um, it's just mentalfloss.com. Uh, and a couple of things that I wanted to bring up about Frankenstein is, um, you know, like you were saying just a second ago, Frankenstein was the name of the scientist, not the actual monster. But people refer to him as Frankenstein, even though that's not really what he, he is. He's actually referred to really in, the, in movies as the monster. Um, and Frankenstein is the creator. So it's kind of funny that that uh, if you if you think about it that way, it's it's he's not even really considered Frankenstein. Um, he's considered a monster. Uh, the other thing is, is uh, if you go even back further, you know, obviously we have, you know, Frankenstein 1931 movie. Um, but you also have Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uh, in the novel, which when I was reading through um, some of these facts, Mary Shelley actually named Frankenstein, the scientist, after a German castle. Um, she put, uh, Mary said she made up the name Frankenstein. Uh, however, Frankenstein is a German name that means Stone of the Franks. Um, what's more, historian Radu, I can't pronounce his name, F-L-O-R-E-S-C-U, claimed that the Shelleys visited Castle Frankenstein on a journey up the Rhine River. While there, they must have learned about the unbalanced alchemist named Conrad Dippel, who used, uh, who used to live in the castle. He was trying to create an elixir called Dippel's Oil, which would make people live for over a hundred years. Like Victor Frankenstein, Dippel was rumored to dig up graves an experiment on bodies. So oh, I think <laughs> that Mary Shelley, you know, between the Dipple guy, the fact that the castle was was named Frankenstein, uh, that's how she kind of put together this whole um, name about Frankenstein. So I thought that was kind of a neat little fun fact. Oh, and well, then if you real quick, just I, I have a fun Franken fact um, that is kind of along those same lines, because a lot of people think that Mary Shelley created the Frankenstein monster that we know today. Um, but according to IMDb, the popular image of Frankenstein monster as green skinned actually comes from the 1931 film, not not the description in the novel. So Jack Pierce, who did the makeup, he applied like this grayish green grease paint for the monster's skin. Um, on the black and white film, it appeared as this death, deathly pale gray tone. Um, Pierce also added the flat head to the monster, the bolts through the neck, the droopy eyelids, and the poorly fitted suit. So any Frankenstein interpretation that has those physical features is taking inspiration from Pierce's work in the film. Huh. Which I thought That's was pretty neat too. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty neat. So, um, uh, do you have, well, more? I had, I had, I had one more oh. fun fact that's, it was actually funny because when we were doing the research or when I was doing the research, I found this. And do you know that Thomas Edison adapted a story film about Frankenstein in 1910? Oh, uh, it says huh. Thomas Edison made one real 15 minute film of Frankenstein, one of the first horror movies ever made. And it was thought to, uh, 
it was thought lost until it was rediscovered in the 1950s. And if you actually go on YouTube and type in Thomas Edison uh, and just type Thomas Edison Frankenstein, you will see the 15 minute clip. It's like uh, it's almost like a silent film. It has music. You can't hear any talking, but he he basically did something about Frankenstein. It's kind of neat to watch. So that's just another little tidbit about about Frankenstein. Nice. Um, so before we move on to number two, I did want to play a quick little clip. I don't know if you remember this, Tom, but uh, it's from a record we had as kids um, from 1963. It's a record called Famous Monsters Speak. What's that? Smell that. Untie me. They're burning the house. Let me go, Frankenstein. The fire. Come back! No! No! Not alone! Come back! Frankenstein! Come back! I wasn't made to die like this. Frankenstein, don't leave me to burn. Which one of us is the monster now? I will not die before you, Dr. Frankenstein. You made me too strong for chains. Let them think I died in the fire. Let Dr. Frankenstein think he's rid of me. There's no place to hide from me. I'm your monster, and I'm coming for you. Change your name. Change your face. But I'll find you. No one. No one is safe. so yeah that was that was a clip um i'm sure after hearing it you remember that we actually used that for halloween one year we did the fire up in the bedroom we we kind of did like the parts of the caribbean ride at disneyland we used like cellophane and and fans to to and you know yellow and red lights to make it look like there was a fire and that was a a final scene in this this little uh, story on this record about Frankenstein and him you know getting revenge on on Doctor Frankenstein the, I should say the Frankenstein monster getting his revenge on, do you remember the the line of people that were outside looking at that I mean oh, it actually it was looked neat. like it was on fire it was kind of <laughs> it, yeah because it was like the room was like there were, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five. It was like five windows. It was one big room, and it took up like the whole front of the the second floor of the house. So it looked like the whole second story of the house was on fire. It was it was pretty. Yeah, cool. It was it was neat. Yeah, uh, and with with bass, neat. we had those big speakers, and with bass, like you could really hear the flames from that sound. So yeah, it was pretty cool. But anyway, moving on to our number two. So my number two. Um, 
So as a kid, you know, when Halloween approached, there was one monster I always needed to needed um, to bring in the season, and uh, that's skeletons. So we had skeleton decorations and figures everywhere. I just loved it. So even like there were two little haunted house decorations that we had as kids, those little paper decorations. And one of them was like really cartoony with a ton of monsters in it. And another one was actually really spooky, but it only had ghosts. But, but I always liked that cartoony one, even though it wasn't spooky because it had a skeleton coming out of the door. But Uh, I've got, as far as my number two goes, I want to pick the skeleton, but I just couldn't in the end because I had to go with the classic monster, the leader of them all. And if you've ever seen Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein from 1948 or the Monster Squad from 1987, you'll know what I'm talking about, talking about Dracula. So many cool iterations from Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee to Frank Langella and Gary Oldman. I'm even a big fan of Ray Liotta as the bloodsucker in uh, 2012's uh, cartoon, Dear Dracula. Dracula changes into a bat, a wolf, green mist. He talks like a monster, has that cool medallion. He has mind control. He sleeps in a coffin in the dark in a dingy basement of, of uh, that great spooky castle in the mountains. Um, plus, he knows how to throw a, a, a great party. served for three at Dracula's house by the sea. The wolfman was there, the monster was there. The only normal person there was me. So that's a clip from uh, or a little piece of a song called uh, Dinner with Drac from uh, the Peter Pan Records uh, album Monster Mash. It came out in 1977. And uh, yeah, just a fun little song that I remember having as a kid. Yeah, so who's your uh, your favorite Dracula? Well, I for years, I always said Bela Lugosi. I think most people would say Bela Lugosi. And I probably, uh, depending on the the night, I might say Bela Lugosi. But boy, you know, after watching um, Christopher Lee again, uh, he's just he moved faster. And I don't know. I at this moment, I would say Christopher Lee. I mean, he just he's just a really cool Dracula. I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. Uh, I would definitely say that Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee are, are right up there together. I mean, Bela Lugosi obviously, you know, was was a really good, iconic one in what, 1931's Dracula. Um, he, he was really good. But then again, so was Christopher Lee. I mean, he yeah, did an excellent diff- job as well. Different, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's Christopher Lee. You know, the more I, you know, every every Halloween I watch a bunch of monster movies, and like Christopher Lee played a mummy, played Dracula, he played Frankenstein's monster, all of them really, really cool. Um, so I don't know. Uh, for right now, I think I'll say Christopher Lee, but you never know. On on some other day, I may say Bela Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> 
So how about? Jumper. Oh, yeah, I forgot the, a fun fact. Fun oh, fact yeah. for, uh, for Dracula. So as uh, as most people probably know, uh, Dracula is based on a real person. Um, he's known as Vlad the Impaler. If you saw Francis Coppola's Dracula, you'll know a little bit more about him. But he was born sometime, they don't even know for sure, but sometime between 1428 and 1431. And he died in either December of 1476 or January of 1477. Um, now, what I don't, I didn't know anyway, there's a restaurant that currently sits on his birthplace in a, in a place called Sigisora, Transylvania. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but if you want to look it up, it's S-I-G-H-I-S-O-A-R-A and reportedly receives thousands of tours annually from all over the world. Um, I would check it out. It's called Casa Vlad Dragul. Casa Vlad Dragul. So pretty interesting. You know, it's actually where he was where he was born, evidently, or that's what they say. Oh, that's me. So that's my number two. Um, I'm going to go with my number two is the Wolfman, uh, 1941 movie, and I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about the Wolfman because the 1941 uh, you know movie says it all. You killed the wolf. Well, there's no crime in that, is there? The wolf was Baylor. You think I don't know the difference between a wolf and a man? Baylor became a wolf, and you killed him. A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet, or a silver knife, or a stick with a silver handle. You're insane. I tell you I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. Take this charm, the pentagram, the sign of the wolf. It can break the evil spell. Evil spell? Pentagram, wolfbane. Oh, I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm gonna get out of here. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, quit handing me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You had Lon Chaney Jr. who played the part he played the part in uh, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. And personally, I think he uh, is the best Wolfman of all time. I know there's other, um, I know there's other renditions of, of other werewolf and, and wolf-type movies, but Lon Chaney Jr. Um, did the best job on, on playing the Wolfman. And as a matter of fact, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the little fun facts that I have of the Wolfman is that Lon Chaney Jr., that was his favorite role of anything he ever played. Um, and he actually said that uh, in something here. I'm going to read it. It says, the film's success secured Chaney's place alongside Lugosi, uh, Karloff, and Reigns on Mount Rushmore of horror icons. Over the next few years, he'd, he'd more or... I'm sorry. I think I uh, or more. He more or less became Universal's go-to guy whenever a new monster role became available. Between 1941 and 1949, the rising star played a mummy, the vampiric uh, son of Dracula, and Frankenstein's monster. And still, the Wolfman was always held in a in a special place in his heart. And later in life, Cheney wrote 
of all the characters I've been, I liked Lawrence Talbot, the Wolfman, the best. Uh, so huh. that was that was his favorite um, role that he played, even though despite he played all the other um, monsters as well. And some other cool ones, too, like uh, the man-made monster where he's Dynamo Dan, the electrical man. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Plays that that creepy dude in, uh, in uh, Alligator People. I mean, he, d- he played a lot of different you know monsters um but yeah so that's that's cool do you, do you know that the the wolfman uh from 1941 was not actually the first wolfman ever made oh yeah yeah do you know do you know that they made a uh i think it was in uh what was it 1935 the werewolf they, of london the werewolf of london yeah. starring abroad <laughs> the henry ho and it yeah. sent in the in the theater, and then later on, I think it was six years later, obviously, uh, they made well, the, the Wolfman here, movie. Here's a fun fact about that, is they were going to use the makeup that they used on, well, this is what I read. They were going to use the makeup that they used on Lon Chaney Jr. for that first movie, that that um, uh, Werewolf of London, but he did. The actor did not want all that makeup on his face. He felt, well, how am I going to act if you can't even see my face? So that's why that werewolf barely has any hair on his face. But when Universal made the Wolfman, they actually got to use the makeup that was originally intended for the werewolf. So, you know, yeah, have it. <laughs> they well, should have stuck with with the the makeup. It may have made a different movie. Do you know that? Do you know that Bella Lugosi actually tried for uh, the role for the Wolfman? Oh no, um, I didn't. He was he. I guess he was really stoked about wanting to be in more roles for monster movies, but Lon Chaney Jr. obviously got it. Um, but since since Bella Lugosi actually um, wanted to play another part, he played that other character um, in the movie. Uh, as the fortune teller named Bella in the Gypsy Camp, if you remember, um, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, but yeah. he's he actually uh, Bella Lugosi played that part, so he kind of got his role or got a role. He just didn't get the role he wanted, which was to play the Wolfman. Um, that was another little, just little fun fact that I had. Um, one more little fun fact about uh, the Wolfman is the um, that little poem that they say uh, in all of the the werewolf movies, uh, that actually was created by the guy who wrote it. It wasn't a poem. I think you have more more information on that than I do. Yeah, um, it was on that. I, I talked a little bit about that in our, uh, in our werewolf uh, episode. I think it was like our second or third episode. But yeah, Kurt Siod Mack, the screenwriter, um, he came up with that, and so many people think that it's like gypsy folklore or something. But no, it was just something that he had made up. He uh, just made it up, and I think yeah. a lot of people actually thought that it was a poem that they pulled from something else. And uh, you know what's funny is in the 2004 uh, movie Van Helsing, they they actually recited that that poem again. So it well, lived on to other other movies. That- 
Yeah, and not even just movies. So I don't know if you remember this, but um, I got a record for Christmas one year. It was a it was a kids record from Power Records. It was called uh, Curse of the Werewolf. This was from like 1974, although I got it in like 1987 or something. But uh, the opening of the record actually cites that exact uh, poem. Power Records presents the Curse of the Werewolf. Even a man who's pure of heart and says his prayers at night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the moon is full and bright. The words seemed to echo in my skull. I struggled with something snarling and vicious within my soul. And when the madness passed... You! Hold it right there! What in the name of... Good Lord! The man I'd attacked was dead. There was a bridge, a muddy river. I dived in, my shoulder afire, with the agony of a glancing bullet. My arm, my arm. Somehow I got away. Where am I? How did I get here? What is this place? I ran, I ran. Under the light of the bright full moon, I ran. I must find my way home. Why am I here? Why? My skin is burning. My thoughts unclear. Why am I here? But the night gave me no answer, and I felt my dark dream slipping, and in a moment, I awoke. No! So, yeah, that was, uh, that, was uh, that clip from Curse of the Werewolf. Just, it was the opening of, of that record. But um, moving on to my number one, while we're talking about the werewolf, well, that was my number one. Um, I was thinking originally I wanted to do something with the jack-o'-lantern because that's my favorite symbol of Halloween. So I was thinking the headless horseman or maybe a scarecrow, but you know, with the pumpkin head, but I was like, nah, it just can't be my favorite. It's, it's gotta be something when I think of monsters, you know, I typically think of the classic universal monsters and, um, you know, when I think of the monster I love the most, it, it just has to be the Wolfman, because had I not seen 1943's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, I don't even know if I would be the monster lover that I am. I think that Lon Chaney Jr.'s werewolf was, you know, by far the best, but even, you know, other interpretations of the werewolf, you know, whether it's in American Werewolf of London or the Howling or that show the were, you know, a werewolf, um, you know, I think werewolves are just cool. They're, they're fast, they're vicious, the transformation is typically cool, and a lot of filmmakers do it a different way. The howl, obviously, when you hear it, um, you know that danger's out there. By looking at the full moon, you know werewolves may be in, in the bushes somewhere. Um, you know, he's got a great monster look. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you look at his power in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, at the end, Dr. Mannering is draining power from the Wolfman and he's putting it into the Frankenstein monster who's already powerful and still the werewolf if that fight would have kept going and the dam didn't break and the water take him you know all down the werewolf, the werewolf would have torn he, him to he was going to destroy him so yeah absolutely the werewolf the werewolf is a beast so he is definitely my number one and just to add another fun fact um I found that the medical community um, has an actual medical condition referring to werewolves. It's called 
hypertrichosis, also known as the werewolf syndrome. And it's a condition that causes an abnormal amount of hair growth all over the body. And I've seen some pictures, if you look it yeah, up. That's, that's it's gross. I've never heard of that before. That's got to be disgusting. Yeah, it's and and it's not something that you know as you're going through puberty it happens. They, according to this article that I read, you could actually acquire it way later on in your life. It could just Jeez. all of a sudden come on. So pretty interesting. It's kind of like the uh, the caveman commercial on that Geico uh, deal. Those guys they probably had that condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> So well, I'm just your number one. Yeah. So my number one is actually a creative one that we made in our book. Uh, he's actually in the last district, uh, Jack O'Lantern Park, and oh, his, and it's Mr. Jack O'Lantern. I'll let you chime in as well on here. Uh, yeah, I mean reasons- he probably should be my favorite because, as I was just saying. And you didn't tell me you were going to do this one. I I didn't even think about him, really. But I guess I probably still wouldn't have picked him because, you know, he's something that we made up. And I probably would have gone with something that's I've known about since I was a kid. But, yeah, Jack O'Lantern is probably the best. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, nothing can beat this guy. So let me let me just read a little bit from our book. Uh, We don't know when he's born. Um, the things that he likes, he likes telling stories, long stories, collecting artifacts, history, bringing monsters together, the pumpkin community, creating worlds and imagination. Uh, the things that he dislikes is obviously a short story and interruptions. <laughs> Some of his characteristics, he's just a pumpkin, uh, though he can attach himself to Whatever he chooses, human bodies, scarecrows, fence posts, uh, his purpose is to, to tell spooky stories, uh, to create Halloween magic, uh, mystery, fear. Um, he basically creates worlds filled with monsters and the powers that, that and abilities that he has is mental manipulation through storytelling. And obviously, I mean, we tried to put in in all of our our bios here for each monster of each district a weakness, but I mean, honestly, he doesn't really have a weakness. We put if, and this is a big if, you take his stories away from him, he'll just cease to exist. But really... It, it might actually be part of the story as to why you're taking the story away from him. So really, he is the most powerful monster of all time, which is one of the reasons why I like him the most. He could tell you a story. You could feel like you're beating him, and maybe that's part of the story. And then at the end, it's just a story. So how he's are you going to beat somebody story. like that? Yeah, he's still the storyteller. So in this case... You did choose the monster that could beat any other monster in the monster universe. And so what's really funny about this, too, is that Dad and I were having a conversation about what was the the strongest monster. And every time he kept coming back to, you know, his favorite, which is Dracula. And uh, that was I, his favorite. Yeah, that's, that's oh, I that's why he the, played it. So he I played it every the, year. I would have thought the Wolfman was his favorite. I, I'm pretty pretty confident that dracula is his favorite and every time he kept bringing it back 
because he said he can't die, you know, the same way the, the Wolfman can't die. I mean, obviously, if you took a nuclear bomb or something and blew them up, I mean, they they would cease to exist. But how are you going to do that to to Mr. Jack O'Lantern? You, you that's, can't. Yeah, that's he's, part of the he's story. Tell, he's <laughs> telling the story of the nuclear nuclear. Right. Bomb. Yeah. So and that's one of the reasons why, once again, I find him most fascinating because he's filled with imagination. It's storytelling. He can he can make all kinds of neat stories you're sitting there listening to him. You, maybe you're even kind of acting in the story. You don't know. But what's neat about this monster is that he makes up all of Halloween, all of the monsters. He's the creator of everything because it's all just a bunch of stories. And that's how all these monsters were created was through storytelling, people making movies, people making ideas up for maybe dreams or nightmares that they've had or just them just sketching artwork. It's all created through the mind, through stories that people are given, whether it's a story that somebody's telling or somebody's drawing something. Each and everything is always drilled down to a story. And that's what makes Mr. Jack O'Lantern my favorite because, because of that. So well, that's yeah, my that's, number one. That's definitely uh, a good pick. And uh, we would definitely like to hear your three favorite monsters. So if uh, you agree or disagree with ours or you have uh, a really good top three, uh, we definitely appreciate an email. You can email us at jackolanternpress at gmail.com. Again, that's jackolanternpress at email.com. Uh, did I say at email.com? At gmail.com. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and then don't... Don't forget to uh, to go to jacklanternpress.com to get our book. Um, pretty soon, uh, we're talking August 1st, which is coming here real quick. You're going to uh, be able to see some, another season of stories on uh, the blog there. And then, of course, we'll have uh, other monster and Halloween fun there. The new website will be uh, up and running soon, um, so it'll be more easy to uh, to navigate but uh, before we go, uh, there's some other news that we wanted to uh, to go over. Like, for instance, um, Tom is going to be at the uh, the farmers market yep. in uh, Moscow, Idaho. So, if you Moscow, want to talk about Idaho, little- yep they uh, they have a farmers market. We we brought the book. Um, we had to show it in front of uh, a couple of uh, judges. Um, they were really excited about it because you know I'm a local author there. And so they accepted it, and now it's going to be in the farmer's market. They also approached me about getting involved into a uh, kind of a basket, a prize that that people can win for something that they're raffling off. Um, so I decided to, well, both of us decided to uh, donate the Transylvania Traveler book to that basket. So somebody is going to win that. <laughs> and be able to take a look at the book too. So, so it's this just, is, uh, when, you, when are you going to start? So this is every Saturday, right? It's every Saturday f- until October, I believe. Are you going to do uh, every Saturday though? I'm, I'm not doing every Saturday. I've selected a, a few Saturdays in August and then kind of pounding it pretty heavily in September and then um, three weeks out of October. Uh, so uh, we will get a lot of exposure and... Um, it's just more places for this book to go. So, so we'll, we'll uh, try and look out. We'll try and post some news, you know, on, on Jack Lantern press social media or something. So anyone in the Moscow, Idaho area can go there and check it out. 
Um, we're also planning on doing a, a giveaway through Goodreads. Um, we'll have more information on that as we get closer. And then just uh, for you uh, podcast listeners, we just wanted to uh, let you guys know that uh, we're going to be doing a bonus episode next week on the uh, the Area 51 raid. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, Matt Douglas from uh, the Nightmare 365 podcast uh, about uh, the Area 51 raid. So uh, just stay tuned for, uh, for that. Um, anything else that you wanted to bring up before we take it out? Nope. I think... Uh... I think let's take it out. All right. So uh, to take us out of this episode, I I dug up from the pumpkin patch an audio vignette from uh, one of our favorite Halloween records uh, we had as kids, uh, which we play a lot here on this podcast. It's uh, from Wade Denning's Monster Mash Sounds of Terror record from 1974. And uh, fitting for where we are here in uh, the Monster Islands, this clip is called King Kong. So uh, with that, have a good night. From an uncharted island in the Pacific, a giant ape was captured and transported by freighter to New York City. His moment of fame was challenged by a prehistoric sea monster that surfaced off the coast of Japan. Eventually, they met in deadly combat, a titanic death struggle of the giants. The world trembled to the thunder of the raging conflict until the victor pounded his massive chest and bellowed his roar of victory. King Kong.